Hello and welcome to the Journalism.co.uk podcast, a show where we bring you insights from media industry experts to help journalists do their jobs better. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Today, we will be talking about how to help young journalists reach their true potential. It is not enough to simply acquire talent these days. Newsrooms must also nurture it. It is, of course, normal for editors to provide guidance and feedback to help steer their stars in the right direction. But this is usually an informal part of the job and can get pushed to the back burner amongst their many other responsibilities. But what if there was an alternative? We'll be speaking to John Yarker, an experienced financial journalist at the news content agency Rotic Media. John has just stepped into a new role as the head of editorial development, meaning he will oversee training, mentoring graduates, designing internship programs, and managing degree apprenticeships. We chat about showing young reporters the ropes in a formal newsroom role, tracking their growth, and making sure they are ready to step outside of their comfort zone, a necessary part of their development. That's all coming up, so don't go anywhere. John, welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. Thanks ever so much for coming on to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. I understand that a little known fact about you, John, is that you are an avid boxer. Tell us more. Yes. So I got into it at university. Um, it was the only sport I could do, the only sport I can still do. Um, and I think it's maybe there's like a part of me just like the romantic idea of uh, the Ernest Hemingway, the writer and the fighter. I don't have the lungs in me that I used to, but I do have a punch bag in my gym next to my home office. So in between dealing with PRs, um, I have been known to go and you know take out a few rounds of frustration out in the punch bag. Writer and a fighter certainly has a nice ring to it. And, and you're still boxing these days? Yes, when I can. I've got two young children, so they take the lion's share of my energy. But when I can, I do like to um, get the gloves back on. Yeah, I've got two myself, so I sympathise. What's um without this trying to be a personal question? What's your weight class? It's heavy. It's heavy weight. I I would like to think maybe one day if I really took it serious, I could get down maybe to like uh, cruiser light heavy. But it's I'm heavyweight. Um, yeah, same weight class as Tyson Fury, and that's just to know me. That's not me trying to get in shape at all. And what's your record like? uh no comment i'm gonna do that <laughs> kind of for once for that yeah no comment but it's all about i'd like to think the taking part that counts yeah probably helps you make some punchy coffee so hey i like that yes definitely unlike other content agencies rotic media employs journalists to write for both corporate and editorial clients Editorial clients, like B2B financial magazines, pay for factual news reporting on the financial services industry. It then does corporate copywriting, like brochures and email marketing, for institutions and businesses who expect the writing to have a clear goal or angle. Knowing the difference is tricky, and it is a steep learning curve for young journalists to know the different treatments. In John's new role as head of editorial development, he helps young recruits get acquainted with the different writing styles, starting with editorial clients and then corporate ones. He'll then make sure their development continues through training and mentorship. I was a, you know experienced journalist before I joined Rotate Media. I've been here three years now, and I've learned a huge amount about how different it is writing for the corporate clients and you know trying to reshape my content, um, trying to get through to new readers uh, in a different context. We don't throw the junior talent in at the deep end. We keep them on editorial, and then we start over time, introducing them more to the corporate side of things. But we really want to make sure that the writers we have in our team, they're not just writing one thing. They can't, they're, they're, be- 
they're not just restricted to one type of writing or one type of audience. We want to give them as much experience across the board as we can. Mm. So you'll you'll start them in with more the typical financial journalism and slowly you'd you'd introduce them to more of the corporate writing stuff yes we want to make sure that you know they can hold their own on the uh, financial services journalism a lot of the time people come to us and they think i don't know anything about financial services and we're like that's fine not many people do um financial services is just getting through the jargon financial services as an industry is very good at creating jargon um, once you get through that, once you get down to the actual writing, getting concepts, breaking them down and getting the truth out there through journalism, then you can take that across. And that's a fantastic skill you can build on. All clients are different and each project will have its own brief, its own requirements. Um, and we always monitor them closely as we do. But what we're very keen to showcase real learning in a real work environment Um you know, I'm all a fan for academics, but in writing and journalism, you can only really learn so much in a course. It's not until you actually get out there in the real world, you start learning. I think a lot of journalists would testify to that. Yeah, I think that's true of probably quite a few, shall we say, specialized areas of journalism. That, that comes with quite a steep learning curve. There's, as you say, a lot of jargon. You're speaking to people with vastly more experience than you. So that can, that can maybe weigh on you as well. So what are some of the, 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 the things you watch out for when you're introducing, you know, particularly journalists, entry-level journalists to the, to the workforce at the moment? What are some of the things you watch out for? A large part of what my work is when I'm mentoring junior talent is, you know, making sure that they're comfortable with making mistakes, because that's the thing. We're all going to make mistakes. Our God knows I still make a lot of mistakes with my copy, but it's about learning from them and not repeating them. I remember when I was starting, everyone around me in the newsroom just looked like they knew what they obviously knew what they were doing they were more experienced but i saw a huge gap between where i was and where they were now they probably you know they might be hitting their confidence they might be stressed out god knows when people come out of university and you're at the beginning in the foothills of your career you're stressed about what you're going to do um i want to try and alleviate that stress and anxiety if i can by feedback you know constructive feedback giving them guidance and also giving them as much information as they can to give them some context. I benefited from a, a few really good editors who took the time, early in my career, who took the time to talk me through how it all works, not just my article that I was working on, but the broader piece of the magazine that I was working for, the broader industry, the kind of things they don't really tell you in induction. So trying to give people that insight that they would have to usually learn on them themselves um, that's what we really try and offer people. So what stands out to me in that response is that that is indeed very helpful when an editor takes the time to point out those things, but often that's just something they do quite informally. It's not normally built into their job role. What seems to be the case there is this is a formal job role to afford those steps, you know, proactively encourage journalists to make mistakes and point out where they maybe were going wrong, where they can improve. So is that the reason for, the, for this new um, position at Rotic Media? Well, it came from a couple of things. So last year was, I think, a challenging year, not just for us, for a lot of content agencies, for a lot of titles uh, in media. Um, and we went through quite a bit of transition. And we decided as we were kind of looking to restructure our team that editorial development, by the way, has always been something important to us. We've always, um, you know, liked having junior talent as part of the workforce. We have two degree apprentices with us who work as trainee journalists in conjunction with their studies. 
and we've taken on an intern in the past through the 10,000 Black Interns Initiative, and we're continuing that this year, and we want to um, employ another degree apprentice. But it's something we've always, you know, really enjoyed. But I think the turning point was realizing if you're going to do something, you got to do it right. And it's been difficult to find the time for that, given we are a small content agency, given the fact we've got, you know, all these clients, all these deadlines, and there's so much work to do. So we made the decision to carve out this new role. Now, I've been at Rotate Media for three years um, on the advisory board. I've managed teams before. And I had mentored the teams and I enjoyed it as well. Personally, I found it very rewarding, but decided, well, let's really lean into this and carve out this role, ring fence my time so I can dedicate it to helping junior talent become more comfortable, become more proficient as writers and get them onto the next stage of their development. So that's what we're doing. I'm, you know, designing uh, the programs, the kind of work we give them you know, scheduling in more one-on-one uh, -on -one time, getting them to industry events, getting to meet other journalists, getting to work with other journalists, and, you know, getting them to build up their knowledge and understanding of more sectors, and then so they can write for more audiences. Um, this is as vocational as it gets. Um, you know, we really want to give people the best experiences they can and the best skills. Also, I'm very mindful of the fact that not everyone who gets into journalism ends up staying a journalist. Um, that's just one of the pitfalls of the game. So I'm making sure that we're giving people the understanding and skills that they can use, not only in journalism, but if they want to go do something else. Their time isn't wasted with us. Um, they're going to get skills. They're going to get experience. And that's something I really want to have an impact on in these formative years. Mm. What's the balance of formal and informal policies here? Is it just like an open door policy? You're a, you're a voice in the newsroom that people can come to with any concerns if they need help or mentoring, or do you have like specific uh, timeline of programs and um, sort of activities that you get journalists to do? Exactly how does it work? Well, I think we're really formalizing the latter part of it. Um, I am working on though, um, really formalizing this and giving people real structure because i think we've all been there you've joined a title or a magazine as a intern or a work placement grad and and they say oh we'll find something for you to do and you kind of go through the motions then don't you a little bit exactly you're really keen to get going you're brimming with motivation and they get you doing something arbitrary and you know harmless obviously we're not gonna you know give them the keys to everything get them on the really expensive accounts early doors but we want to get them started, get them stuck in. You've got to roll up your sleeves and go. So we've got live news shifts they can work on. We've got live features coming in that they can work on. If there isn't live stuff, what work can they be working on? Are there events they can be attending? I'm really trying to build on that structure around. Now, this will benefit the fact that I think you have to have a certain level of taking the initiative to be a journalist. And we've seen that in the junior talent. They're ready to get going. They just need a push. Um, but making sure that they do have that structure and they are getting that continual feedback as well and even just checking in and make sure they're doing okay as well that's a huge part of it as well right i see so i i guess are you keeping tabs on all of them in in, in the sense of right here's we've got james right what does james need to work on what are his strengths and weaknesses what courses can we put him on or what you know what stories should we recommend that he writes what um editorial tasks can we encourage him to do maybe step out of his comfort zone does it work along those lines yes we definitely keep tabs and 
and I do like sort of make notes about what I see and what I like and copy and what I don't. A huge part of me as an editor as well is that I don't like to try and edit out people's own voices and things, how they really approach something. How I write a piece would be entirely different to some to one of my peers. No better, no worse. It's just different. So I want to make sure that people's own voices are coming through and that they are, as I said before, fundamentally learning from their mistakes. I don't mind pointing out something they do wrong, but I don't want to have to do it, you know, five or six times. Also, just make sure that I know that I'm checking them with them, that they feel comfortable with the writing, that they're enjoying what they're writing, and that when opportunities for new work do come up, that we are able to identify them and get them onto them as soon as possible. Oh, you want to write about AI? Well, now we've got a piece coming in about AI. I think it'd be perfect for it. And making sure that those opportunities match what they're ready for. It's one of those things, isn't it? When you think about the growth of your employees, how do you exactly track that? What is that measured by? Is it some arbitrary estimation in our heads or is there something more tangible we can look at? How do you determine the the growth of your you know, journalists? What, what are you looking at to see, see the growth in their development? I would say, you know, it, it really does vary. I think there's definitely the, the, the black and white things we look at, like how long is it taking so-and-so to turn around this piece of work? Is it taking the same amount of time as it did five months ago? Is it, you know, are they doing it quicker, they're more efficient? Are they making the same number of mistakes, would you say? Those sort of things. But then just generally as well, I always look to see how much people are really standing on their own feet. My door is open. You've got a question, please come to me. If there's anything you want to check with the subject matter, how you're approaching story, all that sort of stuff. But if people are really sort of over time turning less and less to me, and I check in and I go, and they go, oh yeah, that's all done. Here's the copy. You can check it now. That's something I really think is an important aspect to see in that development over time. Because one day if they leave Rotic and they go to a magazine, they might not have a dedicated head of editorial development overseeing their development. So it'll be up to them more to kind of manage their own time, their own calendar, their own workload, their own deadlines. If I can see that sort, that's definitely a tangible thing I would monitor in development, that independence. And we, we're trying to give people more autonomy and responsibility over certain editorial clients. So I check the work, obviously, it still has that checks and balances, but it's up to them to check in with the client, for them to uh, originate stories for leads for stories, up to them to do things like CMS uploading, all the bits and pieces that really, you know, they have to own if they want to take responsibility. John's position is one we've come to know as a bridge role, one that works across different departments with a clear business objective in mind. The other important thing to note about bridge roles is that they often stem from useful but informal tasks. By turning that task into a dedicated position, staff can perform those roles much more effectively. As a collaborator, John reports in with senior management as staff development is a major strategic point for the company. He works closely with HR to make sure staff are looked after and progressing well. And then he speaks regularly with the editor-in-chief around pinch points and heavy workloads. He points out which junior staff are up to the task of stepping up and taking on more challenging work or responsibilities. But there's another important component to John's role, and that's making sure that the company is providing opportunities for diverse candidates. Rotic picked up the John Caldwell Blaze Your Own Trail Award last year, recognising non-traditional routes into employment. It's also continuing to be a part of the 10,000 Black Interns programme, a scheme that places black talent into workforces. Efforts like these are needed in both journalism generally, and in financial journalism in particular. It is one that John says very much mirrors the sector it reports on, largely straight, white, male and middle class. Rotic has ambitions to grow into a much larger company. 
it hopes that laying the correct groundwork now will put it in good stead for the future. We take it incredibly serious and change has to happen now. And I'm aware of the irony that this is coming from a straight white male uh, middle class journalist with a university background. But change has to happen from within the industry and it has to happen now. So it has to start somewhere. And that's why, you know, this is hugely important work and it's really shaping everything we do and how we are structuring and continuing to build up this role. But I mean, that change will only happen if they have allies such as yourself and myself who are in these more privileged positions actually speaking about the need for diversity in the workforce equally. Definitely. For example, a lot of people uh, can't afford to take unpaid work experience on a magazine or a newspaper. That instantly cuts things off because I'm starting to also go around schools and colleges talking about this. If I'm talking to people who aren't at university yet, maybe they can't afford to go to university or that just doesn't make financial sense for them. I'm trying to talk to them about how they can get into journalism. For example, um, you know, the self-publishing social media route, trying to build up a readership there. You know, social media now gives us a platform. How can you now, you know, get noticed and get start writing and freelancing right from the get go? Understanding that people, you know, from different backgrounds and different social groups have different attitudes towards the press. And how do we engage with that? So I'm trying to make it really accessible, but then also trying to like, you know, make make sure that journalism is for everyone. It's not just for this little Oxbridge elite anymore. Um, you know, it's a challenge, but it's something we we recognize and we recognize it's got to change. Yeah. I think the last NCTJ statistics showed like 90% of the British media had a, held a university qualification. So, I mean, what are you doing at Rotic to maybe employ beyond um, the university graduate pool? What are you doing to maybe recruit from a from a different field of applicants? Well, we're you know we're looking to uh, appear at like jobs fairs for people like who are going straight into the workforce. We're as I said, we're talking to schools and colleges and really open their eyes to how accessible journalism is becoming. We recognise the importance of a university degree and how that is still the main route for people, as is also an NCTG qualification. But, you know, we're it's all about us, as much as we have this structure and we're building up the structure and the resources and programs for training junior talent, it's also just being mindful that the best journalist could be the person who's just been blogging in their spare time for the last couple of years while working, you know, you know a nine-to-five normal job. People who really still want to get into journalism, so we're trying to change the perceptions that you just have to have a degree to get into this. If someone can write, if someone has a desire to break the news, to to report, to tell a story unbiased and just tell the truth, then I don't think they need to have anything else, really. We can work with that. We're very mindful. We want to really open our, open our doors to applicants and really consider you know, who we could get in from all walks of life and all backgrounds. So anyone listening in who maybe does fancy working with Rotic Media, but they don't hold a journalism qualification or indeed a university qualification, what kind of um, opportunities would be available to them and what would be your advice for applying? Please just get in touch. We're we're not too bureaucratic. We're not too formal. Get in touch. You know, we'll have a chat. Tell me why you want to be a journalist. Because first and foremost, I think journalism is a very misrepresented profession. But if someone really understands journalism, if someone actually reads a newspaper, for instance, or engages with media, engages with current affairs, um, then that's a great starting point. Building up a portfolio, you can do that. At, you can do that at any point. You can start writing. We're still shaping up our growth and the actual roles that we have available. 
there's always work coming in. We do use freelancers, we do use third parties, and we're more than happy to give others opportunities when it makes sense. I can't overstress the power of learning in the real world, the vocation. You might worry that you might not have an NCTJ or might not afford an NCTJ. Now I've got all the greatest respect for the for the NCTJ. I'm NCTJ qualified myself, but you really learn when you in the real world. It's like learning to drive a car in a, a in a desert car park than the M25. When you've got real deadlines breathing down your neck, you've got real editors, you make potentially making real mistakes. That's when you learn. Um, not saying we throw people into the water to see if they can swim, but there's a real powerful opportunity there to learn as you work. I suppose maybe the comparison you'd like is it's the difference between sparring with a partner and being in the ring with a real boxer. Exactly, exactly. Like, you know, shadow boxing is all well and good, but your shadow isn't going to, you know, make your nose bleed. Sure. Maybe the, the the last place to kind of leave this is this is all happening in the context that a lot of your workplace are now working remotely and and indeed hybrid as well so in, t- in terms of like diversifying the workforce you're actually looking more into like more regional parts of the uk as well and this is something that rotic's offering definitely so rotic was remote even before the pandemic but then obviously when 2020 happened and um, we all had to stay in our own in our spare rooms what have you now we're growing and we do have an office in um east end of london we have an office in essex and a lot of our team are based in the home counties and they can travel in there but we also have people based throughout the regions i myself are based up in the northwest not everybody can afford to live in london for instance um god knows i found it a challenge a few years ago we can work with people and help work around their studies for instance if they're you know they're still working at university um if they can log on they can learn that's what i say about journalism but then also we are hybrid if people can get into london if people can get together for a conference or a press briefing or something like that then we will you know you know back that as well but fundamentally it is good that it's not just a case of you've got to afford living in zone three in london anymore is doable um hopefully that makes it a lot more of a of a real consideration for some budding journalists out there if you can log on you can learn i do love that there are um some challenges associated with with remote work probably the most pressing one is what we were seeing in the last research from the reuters institute that that those on the fringes of the workforce virtually do start to feel quite isolated and, and quite disconnected from the newsroom so what will you do in this new role to maybe support those staff who who may well you know come to feel that way I mean, that's a huge concern right there because well, I come from the benefit of someone who has actually been in the physical newsroom. Um, I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly of people trying to hit deadlines on press day. There's no substitute really for the being in person. But what we do try and do is try and make sure that there is a hybrid element, but that when they do come in, they get to see how other journalists work. They get also, if they are going to work remote, they kind of work in tandem. We have group chats with all the journalists you know, they get to see how other journalists edit. There are things we can do to get around these. I think uh, ideally in the long run, we're going to try and get more get togethers between all the team, the industry events, but also just in ourselves. So, you know, we can all work side by side on different editorial projects and then we'll all go to the same pub afterwards. Things like that we can do. It is a challenge, but I don't think it should necessarily get in the way of learning the skills around journalism and we can add on that experience afterwards. Awesome. And and finally, then, I mean, we've spoken a lot today about maybe the challenges of recruitment and what to do when they're in the building. But, you know, I suppose the, the last remaining headache is how to hang on to our best stars and, and, re- and retention of talent. Um, 
what's your thoughts in this new role about how you'll how you'll hang on to your best stars? I think fundamentally, you know, it's always going to be a challenge for the young talent, especially because, you know, people just want to change jobs more. They want to, you know, go on the bigger, brighter things. And we want to support them in that if it's right for them. If you're a young journalist and you're just in the door and you've been working a couple of years and you want to go and try and do things. So we want to make sure what we're still offering people is rewarding, is fresh, is innovative and is exciting. And I like to think if we keep doing that, then that's going to stick, continue to appeal for longer for some journalists at the beginning of their careers. And, and finally, your top tip as a financial journalist to, to thrive in that sector, what would you say? What are the skills to succeed as a financial journalist? Always remember, no matter how niche you're writing, no matter how boring it might seem, no matter how dry, someone is paying you to write it and someone is paying to read it. It might not be behind a paywall, it might not be a subscription, but the fact that somebody is wants to read that stuff, you might have a readership of thousands or 50, but they're still a reader. And especially in financial services, that 50 readers, they could all be managed banks, they could all manage pension funds, they could have trillions at their disposal. So remember to someone that really could shape their day, could shape their career even, you don't know. Fantastic advice. Follow the money trail or at least think about it. John, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Thank you ever so much for coming on the show. Really do appreciate it. Great. Thanks for having me. Loads of different aspects to this conversation worth recapping. We've spoken about bridge roles recently as positions which have evolved from effective ad hoc workflows into dedicated roles. By doing this, these important tasks can be given their proper attention. In John's case, his role will provide a steady stream of support for their talented starlets. This way, they can hopefully hit their potential and become valued members of the team. The trick here is not letting talent get pigeonholed and knowing when they are ready to be pushed outside of their comfort zone. What did you take from today? I'd love to keep the conversation going and get your thoughts. You can find me on Twitter at jpgjournalism or email me at jacob at journalism.co.uk. You can check out all of our episodes on all of your usual podcast platforms, SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just search and subscribe to the journalism.co.uk podcast. But that's all we have time for this week. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.